Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Business Writers Radio. Brought to you by Business Writers Exchange. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Business Writers Radio, brought to you by our good friends at Business Writers Exchange and the ROI Institute. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you, as well as our fearless producer, Ryan Redhawk McPherson. How are you doing, Lee? I am doing great, but first I want to talk to Ryan. Ryan, you were just at First Data doing a big uh, speech, your first ever, huh? That, that sure was, yesterday in, in honor of Veterans Day and their Veterans Day salute program out there speaking of veterans and entrepreneurs. And how'd that go? Uh, went pretty good. No one got up and left during the talk, so yeah. I think uh, it went okay. And did you follow the three rules? Be brief, be bright, be gone? Uh, I definitely was brief, and uh, <laughs> I don't know about bright, and then uh, I got out of there as quickly as I could. So, But it was uh, thankful for the opportunity, and thank you guys, Lee and Stone, for helping with the uh, coaching uh, leading up to that event. It was kind of uh, a couple of weeks there we were working together. So, thank And the you. very next step in this whole process, we talked about it yesterday, he is going to be writing a book. That's right. He's going to take the speech, and then um, we're going to have it kind of committed to audio, and right. then we're going to transcribe it and get it, get it on paper. We'll see how it goes from there. I'm excited. Well, this weekend you're going to do it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to get on it, have it ready for you by Monday. Perfect. Well, and we'll get you some additional help today because we have a thought leader, a published author, he's a speaker. Yeah. So please join me in welcoming to the broadcast from the Gnad Group. He does leadership development and culture transformation, coach, author, speaker, who knows what all this guy can do. Renaissance <laughs> man, Mr. Amir Gnad. How you doing, man? I'm great. How you doing, Snow? I'm doing well. So give us a little insight into this work of yours. Tell us a little bit about what you're out there doing for folks. Yeah. So uh, what I do is uh, leadership development and uh, coaching and consulting on uh, culture transformation. So that's been my passion for a long time. I have worked in corporate America, mostly in manufacturing and supply chain for many, many years. But I've always kind of in a covert fashion uh, done a lot of leadership development and organizational development. I say covert fashion because that's not the kind of stuff that sometimes is considered sort of the, you know, the manufacturing kind of thing. You know, it's the touchy-feely thing. But when it gets <laughs> results, then people say, wow, we want more of that. So now, um, in your experience, is it possible to take someone who is not currently a leader and then transform them into a leader? Well, in fact, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is exactly what my book is all about. It says the transformative leader. It doesn't say that the uh, prerequisite is that you already are a leader or you have a title. Really, I wrote this book because I wanted to make sure that everybody gets that there is an there's a transformative leader inside each of us. And no matter where you are in the organization, you can tap into that. And so, so you believe that leaders are not born, they're made? Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that we all have different temperaments and perhaps we are born with certain tendencies, but I don't believe that any of us are inhibited from uh, using whatever we're given to really become an effective leader. We just sometimes I believe that w the reason we don't show up as a transformative leader is because there's some things that are in the way. And I talk a lot about that in the in the book. Uh, is that like your own baggage? Yeah, or? yeah, your own baggage. <laughs> exactly. Like how you see the world, how you see yourself, the story you've made up along the way and things like that. And I find that when I call these things the hidden saboteurs of success and uh, fulfillment, and when people are exposed to these things, 
and they let go of some some of those things. They, they really get in touch with just how effective they can be as a leader. Well, I know a lot of us, media arena and a lot of the folks that we talk to who are thought leaders and practitioners mm-hmm. say, we're going to write a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you actually pulled the trigger. Was it a specific event or set of events that you said, I'm really doing it now and, and, and caused you to actually jump off the cliff and, and get the book done? Well, I have to tell you that uh, I'd love to tell the story this way and say, yes, I had this epiphany and I went through it and I made it happen and all that. But truth is, I had to be dragged into the process. Okay, (laughs) So I kicked and screamed all the way through. But I'll tell you the brief story about it. For years, I've been writing uh, just on on little post-its and all of this. I've got writing. I've got these post-its everywhere on the walls and and everything else. So so my daughter, Nassim, who is my business partner as well, finally said, look, you know, you have a message for the world and you're just messing around. Why don't you publish this book? And I had no idea. And I know I've spoken since I published my book to so many people who are in the same spot who say, look, I've got some something to say. I've got some expertise, but I have no idea where to start. So Mm -hmm. my daughter basically researched that whole thing and did everything other than the manuscript. We published the book. So she was the main engine behind it. But since then, the good news is we've put together a little guide that actually uh, helps people. Helps people write a book? Yeah. I mean, not necessarily create the manuscript. You know, you got to have some good ideas and stuff. But but (laughs) if you have the idea and you've got some writing, like what what does it really take to go from I have no clue how to start this process to actually publishing the book? Now, did you publish a book self-publish or did you go through a traditional publisher? Yeah, we chose to self-publish and uh, we found that to be a better route for us, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and and it gives us a lot more freedom. And of course, you know, we don't have to negotiate royalties and so on and so forth. We have a lot more freedom to change things around if we want to and and all of that. Now, do you use the book as part of your business or is it something, is it a calling card or do you incorporate it in some of your consulting? Yeah, actually, uh, all of the above. Uh, I mean, I I often give the book to people who have an interest in this sort of thing to say, look, uh, you know, go through this book and see what resonates with you. Uh, But uh, many times in my coaching conversations, I refer people to certain chapters in the book. Uh, I there are several companies right now that are doing a book study, and so the book is laid out in a way that is kind of in bite-sized chunks, Mm -hmm. if you will. So. I've used the book uh, in a variety of ways, and it's been really great. Well, there are so many books, though, in this category, I'm thinking, this this genre of, of leadership. Did that concern you at all that it's just going to get lost in all the noise, or how did you approach that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, our thinking was not necessarily that we're going to go for being a bestseller and so on and so forth. We wanted to make a difference for our clients, for the people that we coach and stuff like that. So we just started there. Now, I'm happy to say that uh, during the first year, we have actually shipped books to 15 countries. Oh, cool. Wow. And, and we have sold about three or four times as much as uh, statistics say a, a normal book, an average book kind of sells in the first year. But we didn't do it because we kind of set out to make sure this one stands out. It's all been through words of, mm-hmm. word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, there are some unique features to the book that, that make it different, and that's been recognized. And what are some of the compelling results that people have gotten from reading the book? 
You know, Lee, the only the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that I always say this is not necessarily a business book. This is something that causes transformation in people's lives, and then it shows up uh, in business. Mm-hmm. But the examples that show up in my, that kind of pop up in my head are have more to do with people's personal lives. I, I had a, a four-hour session a, a few months ago uh, with a, uh, with about 50 people, and uh, I checked back with them about three two months later, and one fellow has lost at that point 35 pounds, and right now he's lost almost 50 pounds. That was a goal that he had that he was kind of semi-committed to, if you will, and, and, right. and he looked me up. He said, look, I want to tell you, this thing has changed my life. My entire demeanor has changed. I lost this uh, weight, and I've started going back to graduate school, which is something that I had put off. Nice. I can tell you all kinds of business results that have turned around, people getting promoted and things like that, just by kind of adopting a different mindset. But the examples that show up in my mind uh, are all have to do with Wow, how it kind of spills over in people's personal lives. Right. So the transformation isn't necessarily now I got promoted. Yeah. Right. It could be I have a better relationship with my kids. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I managed a, a plant uh, many years ago where we our results were the worst results in the company. Re- our morale was the only thing that was worse than our results. <laughs> so we really set out to uh, to change that, right? We we uh, we set a target for ourselves. Our vision was to be the showcase of excellence, which meant we were going to deliver the best results out there. But we were going to be the, the cradle of prosperity, which meant we're going to really make a difference for the people. And so what happens, the transformations that people experienced Yes, they showed up at work, but I cannot tell you how many testimonies I had from people who said, look, I I live in peace now. I'm not so stressed out. I have a much better relationship with my wife and kids or my husband and and all of that. So, So yeah, the transformation, once you really get in touch with that transformative leader that's in you, it really starts coming out in every aspect of your life. Now, what is that first domino that has to fall? Where, what is that first belief that has to occur in order for this transformation? Or get crushed. Might be a misbelief. Uh, yeah, I think many of us kind of get crushed as a result of it. I personally can tell you just from my own personal experience, and that shows up uh, throughout the book and all of my teaching, is that you have to take responsibility, right? I mean, so for me, when I was... When I was managing that plant and we weren't uh, delivering our results for quite some time, I was... Uh, fairly self-righteous. I was looking out there for the answer. You know, if, if only if my boss got how awesome I was, right? right? And all those people followed my direction. But I would say the first ingredient that really sets everything else in motion is I am responsible. So personal accountability. Absolutely. And I'm going to look at myself. So when next time a problem shows up, I'm not going to constantly dwell on why did this happen? Why did this do that to me and all that? I'm going to talk about, I'm going to think about why am I tolerating that? Mm-hmm. What is the one thing I can do? What's the one step I can take? You see, so I think that right there has to be the foundation of this work. So I get the sense that this book, to a large degree, reflects your personal journey. Is yes. that accurate? Yes, absolutely. It, which makes me think that there's probably more book or books in you. There are a lot of books in me. Because <laughs> you're, you're not done with you the journey, more, right? You got sure. more post-it notes? I, I Actually, th- this is very true. I uh, I have an abundance of post-it mm-hmm. notes. I probably have an, enough uh, for about three or four more books, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I'm actively working on uh, on the second book. I don't even have a uh, working title yet, uh, but uh, but yeah, there are a lot of personal stories. I mean, as as you as you mentioned, this is really this is not something I learned from somewhere or some kind of uh, you know some theories and things like that. You know, I've been blogging for the last year. Every week, I put a blog post out. Uh, that kind of elaborates a bit more on what it takes to be a transformative leader, what stops you, what you can, and all of that comes from my own personal experience. So now you mentioned that you started out in manufacturing. Is that the niche that you're in right now? Well, uh, no, I actually over the past uh, several years, I have uh, expanded beyond that. I, I uh, support you know sales teams and R&D teams and marketing teams and all kinds of different things. And my background, uh, again, for many of my uh, 31 years, if you will, in corporate America has been in manufacturing and supply chain. But I've supported, I've done professional facilitation for nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. What I find is that many of these principles apply if you have people involved in running your business, essentially, this stuff applies. And if you're, even if you're not running the entire rodeo, you might just be, and you probably are, a very important piece of the machinery. This still applies. There, there's leadership responsibility and opportunity at, at every level, yes? Absolutely. In fact, the uh, blog post that I just put out on my uh, website this morning had to do with the fact that you can really start anywhere, if, even if you're not the boss. You know, there's it's a misnomer. You know, sometimes we're kind of stopped by this idea that I'm not the boss. If I was the boss and I had ultimate freedom, I would mm. do this. Well, truth is, nobody really is the boss, right? Because your boss has a boss. So even the CEO of the company could could make a case that says, well, only if it wasn't for this board of directors and those <laughs> shareholders, I could just have ultimate freedom. Well, truth is, you know, that's not the case for any of us. So I really, my emphasis has been on the folks who are not the boss. Now, many of the people who are in leadership positions have reported excellent, excellent results uh, by reading this book because it has reminded them of what they can do. But many of the testimonies have come from people who've said, wow, all of a sudden I feel empowered, even if I'm not the boss. That has to feel great. Uh, It feels (laughs) great. I'm telling you, that is something that is just, I feel like a kid in a candy store uh, (laughs) when I'm doing my work. I can't even believe I get paid to do it. Well, I'm sure sure a great deal of the book came very easy to you because it's just so much a part of you and you're speaking, you're coaching, you're consulting. Uh, but I suspect there are some pieces of it that maybe were a little bit of a challenge to get the, the transitions right and to get some aspects of it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the, the biggest challenge for me was that I really do a lot of interactive, uh, you know, sessions, whether I'm coaching somebody, even when I'm talking, uh, you know, speaking in front of 750 people, I'm always reading people to see what's going on uh, so that it doesn't really come across like I'm giving them downloading a bunch of go do this and don't do that. Right. And I didn't want this book to be a prescription that says only if you go and do these things, you're going to be okay. So my struggle was, well, I don't know who's going to read this book, so I can't really customize it to each person. That was probably the greatest challenge that I faced, but I'm happy to tell you that some of the greatest feedback that I really, really cherish that I've received has been along the lines of, when I was reading this book, I felt like you were sitting there coaching me. You weren't exactly telling me what to do, even though you gave me a lot of ideas, but I felt like you were coaching me. And in fact, at the end of each of these chapters I have in here, I, I ask a bunch of questions to say, okay, this is not the truth. This is, these are some things I want you to consider. Now, go consider these questions. 
how to, to make it sort of clear how it applies to you. Then I give you some recommended steps for you to go choose from. So I'd say that it turned out to be really great, but at the time I really struggled with making sure that happens. So that's the one thing that I can say. Yeah. Now, across all the different industries and organizations you work for, is there a common thread of common maybe leadership mistakes or leadership challenges that everybody faces? Yeah, I think one of the things that everybody, just about everybody faces is that in organizations, we tend to focus more on efficiency than effectiveness. You know, we want to be fast. We want to make things happen and all of that, which is great. We're all accountable for results. Uh, you know, this world is becoming more and more competitive. But what I try to teach people is and, and coach people on is that, you know, uh, the the closest uh, distance between call it point A and point B is not always a straight line. It's not always telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the, there are a couple of forces that work against that because many of the leaders who have kind of learned to be a good boss through the school of hard knocks have kind of gotten conditioned to tell people what to do. They're like, that's the fastest route. I know what to do. Go do it. Right. Unfortunately, on the other end, on the receiving end, sometimes people kind of get conditioned either, either because they don't really trust their leaders or whatever. People also get conditioned to kind of want that, to say, okay, you know what? It's easier for you to tell me what to do. Right. I just turn off my brain. Yeah. Brain. You know, when in fact, everybody really does want to be part of something extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to be manipulated or being told or whatever. So that is what I find to be sort of the common threat that I see. Uh, but once you break through that, you know, when I speak uh, in front of you know, hundreds of people, I can see in their eyes. And afterwards, they come and talk to me because they see that uh, sort of light at the end of the tunnel. They're like, wow, I can do this. You know, sometimes the leaders say, yes, I can adopt this uh, kind of approach. Sometimes the people who are not necessarily leaders by title, they're like, yes, I can see this. Now, is there a way, like, how does a company um, marry the fact that you have to take risks and you have to empower your people, but you don't want them to fail? You know, like you don't you you want to take risks, you want to succeed, but you don't want to have these you know massive mistakes that can cripple an organization. Absolutely, I think it's really important when we delegate something. You know, Dr. Covey is uh, absolutely one of the the leaders that I've learned uh, a lot from uh, over the years, and he's got this thing he called stewardship delegation. I think it is really empowering on the front end to get real clear. What are the, the desired results? What are the guidelines? What are the resources? What are the no-nos? How are we going to check the progress and that sort of thing? Because sometimes you have leaders who are constantly hovering over a person and that doesn't work. And sometimes leaders kind of do a dump and run job, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they kind of absolve themselves of the responsibility. But if you really take an approach of stewardship delegation, then you get real clear on the boundaries and that actually liberates the person to be their best and go out there and make things happen and learn, make a few mistakes that are okay within those boundaries. But at the same time, they're not going to fall off the click, cliff right. <laughs> rather, because you've already worked it out. Now, did you find that investing the time and energy to commit your ideas to paper and get this book together, did you find that that actually help crystallize your own thinking and enable you to be even that much more articulate in your coaching and your speaking practice? Absolutely. I have to tell you, not just the book, but I have been, you know, I've committed myself, you know, as of a year ago, since we uh, published this book 
to publish a weekly blog post. I have 50 some odd of those and I spend a great deal of time on those. But now that I look back, I'm like, wow, these are all the things that I've been thinking about for all these years and experiences that I have. And it's such a blessing to me because I really, it's gotten to a point now where I've got this archive. And when somebody comes to me and says, you know, we have some people in our organization who are not being accountable or whatever. I just literally go through my blog posts and pick about five or six of those and say, okay, I'm going to give you these as a study. And then we're going to have a conversation things like that. So yeah, it has definitely helped me get more clear about some of those the seven ways that you ought to consider to do this or nine things that are in your way. So it's more crystal clear for me. Now, can you talk yeah. a little bit about the mechanics of a blog, a weekly blog? Do you plan out like a, a month ahead, a year ahead of what the 52 topics are going to be? Or is it every week you're like, oh boy, I got to get this thing done by nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> are you winging it every every week? Well, I, I have to say I, I, I wing it more often than not, but <laughs> we do have a plan in that uh, there are some events that come up. We run some promotions. There are some things that, for example, I did a, I did a bunch of posts for last New Year's for like New Year's resolutions and things like that, or things about Thanksgiving, the, the value of gratitude mm -hmm. and, and, and things like that, that we would put out there for Thanksgiving. However, many of our blog posts are really inspired by what's happening right now and, and what experiences that I have. I have found those to be most natural. You know, we've gotten really good response from that. Now, in the book, is it just you kind of waxing eloquent about these topics or are you taking case studies and research and things like that as well? You know, I've, I've got some examples from uh, just my own uh, life, uh, not necessarily external research. Uh, I have cited a, a few uh, other things, but this book is not necessarily uh, like full of statistics that, that prove to you, hey, this is the right way to do it because these other people did it and it worked. Right. It's, it's not a, like a checklist, like no, 18 it's not. ways to get this it, done. It, no, it's, it's different. It is basically, uh, the, the way the book flows is that at the beginning, we I basically talk a bit about how you can get the most out of uh, this book or any other kind of transformative training. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, then we, I, I talk about the, uh, the, 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 you know, let's start with thinking about the culture that we want to create. And I lay out the, the uh, distinctions of a high commitment culture versus a traditional culture. I've got like 35 of those. And then we get, get into the mindset of leaders because a lot of books I've found uh, out there that really focus on go do this this way and don't do that. But before I get into all of that, I get into the mindset of the leaders. And after that, we get into the behaviors and things like that. At the end of the book, the last half of the book really is 20 what I call one-point lessons. So each of them has a story. I make an attempt to be funny. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes my humor get, uh, goes unnoticed uh, in, uh, uh, in, in my own house, I have to say. But uh, <laughs> in events that I speak at, I get a pretty good, <laughs> good response. So it's a funny story, a point, and then some questions and some, uh, you know, recommended actions. So how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a guy like you? Because again, it, it's kind of a crowded arena. There are a lot of consultants, speakers, coaches out there. And I get the sense that if a decision maker, an executive had the luxury of a conversation of this depth and this level of authenticity, you would be pretty likely to be engaged. You're like, hey, this guy's got real substance. 
but it's difficult to to have this level of conversation i would think at least initially so how's the whole sales and marketing thing working i mean you gotta you gotta eat yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um uh, you know, I, I have found that really what's most enjoyable and most profitable uh, for me is to work with people who really get this stuff, uh, as opposed to me trying to sell them something that they don't want to buy. Uh, so I have plenty of work to do just through word of mouth. Uh, so I've been really blessed uh, with, with that. Uh, but what happens is, you know, sometimes, you know, people, you know, of course, nowadays you want to have a... Uh, uh, presence in social media. We do quite a bit of that. We put out these quotes and we put out, you know, the inspirational things and, and that kind of thing to, to just kind of get people inspired and interested. Right. But if somebody is asking a question around what I do and how I do it, I tend to focus more on the problems that they're trying to solve and the transformation they want to cause. I start from that and then kind of work backwards to let them know how our approach really, really works. And I have to tell you, to be honest with you, this approach is not for everybody. If you're into a dipping process, you know, you just kind of like have tried everything. You just want to dip your people in this and hopefully it'll fix it. I have turned down some some work to say, look, I that's just, I'm not the right person for that. But when we find that match, I had a couple of days uh, last week, I had somebody uh, who found me on LinkedIn just through one of my blog posts and he set up a call with me from Israel. And we had a conversation for uh, an hour. We just hit it off because we were just such such kindred spirits. And so we're exploring now opportunities to work together on a project. And when that happens, like what's a typical kind of first step in a project? What is usually the point of entry for you? Yeah, the point of entry always is for me to get a better understanding of the challenges and the situation that that folks are dealing with. And and so that generally always takes uh, at least one or two calls uh, to to make sure that I completely understand what they're dealing with, uh, what they've got going on right now. So I can make a determination, an honest determination, if I'm the right person mm-hmm. uh, for for that particular engagement. Then, and then you might give them your book. And you yeah. might say, hey, check out my book so you can see from my end, this is what you can expect from me. Sure, and absolutely. And then let me learn about your organization to see what I can learn from you to see if it is a fit. Yes. In fact, I, I refer them to my uh, website and my blog posts. I send them sometimes my book, you know, and on all of that. So that way they have a good understanding of who I am. Right. I get a better understanding of their situation. And once we identify, once we determine that I'm the right person for them, then we get into a kind of a deeper discovery to say, okay, let's really plot out this, this approach we're going to take. You know, it sometimes, you know, most of the time it starts with working with the leadership team to, to really understand where they are relative to their strategic plan and what are the challenges and making sure that they are aligned. Uh, because too many times, you know, people want to say, well, we as the leadership team know what the problem is. You know, those people in the organization. It's Bill. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> just so fix the, Bill. You know, fix Bill. <laughs> if Bill and Sally, if we could just right. dip them in the magic potion, right. everything would be we'll okay. Be and I just don't do that. I'm like, look, right. you know, I know from my own personal experience that most of the time the leader or the leaders are the bottlenecks. So let's mm-hmm. start there. Uh, and if I'm going to go train your people on something, then I want you to be able to actually role model that kind of behavior. 
Right. So that's kind of a red flag for you. If they're not willing to do that, then it's probably not a fit then. Right? No. And, and I've said to organizations, I said, look, you know, this is really not a good use of your time and money. Right. Uh, because uh, honestly, I'm at a point in my life and in my career uh, that I don't do this just to get a check. Uh, that's yes, it's nice. I do need to eat mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. I found that not to be a problem. Right. Uh, but there's something much bigger that I'm really after, and I'm just not going to be part of a, you know, an effort that is not going to result in anything good for anybody. So you used a phrase a little earlier in the conversation. I don't know if it was high commitment behaviors or cultures or activities, mm-hmm. but but this must be a fundamental prerequisite to a great deal of this self work and organizational work. This this business of commitment. Can you just speak a little bit to this idea of high commitment? cultures or whatever. I see. Yeah, so absolutely. The the the, uh, the high commitment culture that I refer to is not necessarily referring to a culture where people are more committed. It's referring to a culture where more people are committed. Uh-huh. You see, yeah, so, important distinction. so commitment to me is binary. You are either committed or you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I talk about a high committed culture, you know, we all have this moment of truth that happens at some point where I say, you know what, I'm really committed to this. It could be a cause, it could be an organization and things like that, right? So, so this notion of 100% commitment is extremely important. There's so many things in life that we say we're committed to, but we're kind of partially and conditionally committed. Right. <laughs> You're dabbling. You're not all in. You're dabbling, right? So what happens then is you dabble, you you do what you consider to be your part, quote unquote, and now that gives you license to complain about all those other people who didn't do their part, (laughs) you see? And so what I always say to people is your source of frustration is those 50-50 commitments that you have in your life where you're pretending to be committed, but you're not. And it's okay if you're not committed, just be straight about it. Take the consequences because that frees up a lot of energy for you to go flow into those things that you are truly 100% committed to. Well, I'm so glad I asked because that's a very important distinction Mm -hmm. instead of trying to envision commitment on this grand spectrum. spectrum. It's either in or out. Yeah, that's a lot easier to process for me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this show obviously is about business writing and business writers. Do you have a piece of advice for somebody who's thinking about writing a book? Like what would be a kind of the most important thing that you would recommend for that person to kind of take the plunge? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the most important thing is to to really get clear on what is the message that you're trying to get across. Don't worry about the outline. Don't worry about uh, exactly how you're going to lay it out. And certainly don't worry about the process of publishing. The first thing is, what is the message that I really want to get across? What is it that after somebody gets through reading my book, I want to leave them with. Is it more knowledge? Is it more some insights? Is it empowerment? Is it you know? And 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 what is that? And from there, I would say one of the most important things uh, that I had sort of put off for many many years, uh, which again my daughter helped me with, was to develop an outline. Now that may take a little bit of time to say, okay, well, if I'm really going for that endpoint. What are some of the key messages that I want to put in this book? And don't worry about writing. Just get real clear what that flow really looks like. And I think this is where uh, then the next step is where people really get stuck. Because uh, a lot of people want to go then uh, do a deep dive into all kinds of uh, research. But I can't write my book because I don't have enough information. Well, don't worry about it. Now start writing. Now that you have your outline, start writing. And if you want to cite some data, just leave it. 
and, and highlight it and come back to it. Don't get stuck right there. Right. And then of course the, the whole, once you have that, you pretty much have your manuscript about 60, 70% done. Right. And again, I'm happy to share with your listeners here the, the process of publishing that, that we used, mm-hmm. uh, which involves several steps that, that then follow. You know, you got to get the ISBN, you got to find somebody to right. print the thing, edit the thing and all that. So we've got that laid out and I'm happy to send it to them if they contact me. Well, before we wrap, though, I want to hear about your radio show. You have a radio show or a podcast. You're you're doing some some stuff on radio, right? Yeah, I mean, well, we we're just getting started with it, yeah. so I I put the introductory uh, uh, podcast out there. But uh, later this month, we're going to actually start. We're going to uh, uh, interview some some folks, just very much like you guys are doing here. It's great work with if me. you can get it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and these are people that I personally know and right. and, and I've worked with. And then some of the podcasts I'm going to do. Uh, by myself because I have been doing this blog post as I said for about a year and a half but I also know that not everybody wants to sit down and read in like two or three pages right so we want to just make sure we find all kinds of ways to reach people mm-hmm. so the blog post uh, is going to uh, to start um, at the end of this uh, this month it's at amirganad.com I'm sorry, the podcast. I said blog post. I've been doing the blog post <laughs> yeah, for so long. It's time the, to, yeah, the podcast the is going to start at the end of this month. It's at amirganad.com slash podcast. And so we're really excited about it. Well, good. Well, we'll have to follow that. Absolutely. Yeah, thank yeah, you. We're, uh, we're big fans of audio. Awesome. <laughs> thank <laughs> as, you. As you can imagine. Fantastic. All right. And the website again is, can you spell it for our listeners? Sure. It's uh, A-M-I-R, Amir. Ganad, G-H-A-N-N-A-D. So one word, amirganad.com. And then there, that's the blog post, the podcast, and the book. They yep, can get access everything to everything. Everything is right there. And sure. if they had a question about consulting or something like that, they can Absolutely. They can reach well. me right there on that website. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, our fearless producer, Ryan Redhawk McPherson, our guest today, Amir Ganad, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Business Writers Radio. Business Writers Radio is brought to you by Business Writers Exchange. To learn more about developing a successful book and building your business around it, visit business-writers-exchange.com. 